0: Christy, it's time to read another of the fabled Crisises of the DC Universe.
1: That's right. We need to talk Zero Hour. And, um, I have questions.
0: Well, Christy, I figured you would have questions, so we have a guest with us today, our early 90s expert on both Marvel and DC, Everett Christensen. Hello, (sighs) Chrises.
1: Everett, I'm so glad to have you back on because I am incredibly confused.
2: Confused? Yeah, these DC crossovers can be pretty involved. How can I help?
1: Well, so far I've only read the first issue, and it's kind of odd.
0: Oh, well, no biggie, Christy. I didn't know much about Wave Rider either. Uh, did either of you read Armageddon 2001? No, and that was probably a big goof, but I didn't think it was too confusing.
1: No, no. None of that. So, I started with the zero issue, and I know a lot of crossovers love their zero issues. It just seemed to read backwards.
2: Oh, no. Ah. Christy, this crossover read in reverse. Uh, So, issue four was first, then three, then two, then zero is the last issue.
1: Oh, boy. Well, this explains my very intense confusion. I thought it was just incomprehensible, like um, some DC stuff. Okay, wow. It's great you're here then, Everett.
2: Absolutely. Looks like I've got my work cut out for me. Roll up your sleeves. You ready to talk about comics?
0: Yes. yes.
1: I'm Christina
2: Edelman.
0: And I'm Chris Edelman. And this
1: is Chris's On Infinite Earths.
0: The podcast where nothing will ever be the same.
1: Welcome, readers, to our first episode of Zero Hour.
0: Yes, uh, we are covering yet another crisis, this one being the crisis in time in the DC universe. And since uh, you and I... Are awful when it comes to DC. We, uh, got a guest today, our friend, uh, friend of the, friend of the show, writer, educator, Ever Christensen.
2: Welcome to the show. Hey, great to be back. I love, uh, hanging out and explaining comics with y'all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been near like almost perfectly a year since you were on last.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right.
0: Yep. We've 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 uh we've gone from talking about Phalanx Covenant to doing yet another nineties crossover. It'll be a good time.
1: Yeah. Except you know, I know a lot of our cold opens are fiction, <laughs> but <laughs> uh this one I think Chris had already planned before I did this very thing. I read the entire zero issue, finished, and I thought wow, that seems like it's kind of done. I don't know where we go from here. And and where I'm like, no, 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 Chris told me something. I'm like, I'm not supposed to start with zero. (laughs) Oh, like I looked at like the months things were published and I was like, oh, you really goofed this up. And Chris told you not to do this.
2: (laughs) Hey, you know, countdowns in comics are super rare. So you got to give yourself some slack for the fact that this event completely bunked bucks convention
0: i think there's only two and they're both from dc is <laughs> this one and they did countdown to final crisis uh-huh. which started at issue 52 and went down
2: now wow. 52 is a lot more ambitious than the four we have here right and uh it's
0: probably a lot worse than zero or two <laughs> it <was really> bad. <laughs> All right, well, before we, uh, we get into anything, do we want to do our summary?
1: Yeah, summary.
0: Zero Hour Number Four. Written by Dan Jurgens, Penciled by Dan Jurgens, Inked and finished by Jerry Ordway. Colored by Gregory Wright. Lettered by Gaspar Saladino. Edited by Mike McAveney and Casey Carlson. These credits will be for all three issues.
1: At the end of time, the villainous Time Trapper is murdered by a mysterious figure who claims the countdown to Zero Hour has begun.
0: In the present, well, 30 hours ago, this whole crossover is very countdown-centric. Metron visits Darkseid to warn him that time is unraveling.
1: In Gotham City, Batman and Robin chase down Joker only for the clown prince of crime to be subdued by Batgirl? But isn't she Oracle now? Something's hinky.
0: At the slightly out-of-universe location called the Vanishing Point, the Linear Men, charged with monitoring time, notice that time itself is unraveling. Wave Rider and Rip Hunter plan to investigate.
1: They find the Flash, at this time Wally West, in the 64th century as the speedster dukes it out with the villain Abracadabra. However, a huge rift in time is ripping up the whole sky. The crew decide that they need to deal with it. And that the way to do so is to have Wally create a giant vortex in the heart of the rift. He tries very, very hard, but unfortunately is drawn into the rift. Wave Rider and Rip Hunter have to escape by traveling to the past, sorrowful at the loss of yet another flash.
0: In the present, Superman and Batman meet to discuss the strange happenings in the world, only to have Metron roll in on his chair and explain that stuff is dire.
1: Waverider and Rip arrive in the year A.D. 5700, where a young Hal Jordan has been plucked from his time to serve as a hero in that time. Unfortunately, the time rift has also caught up, and the three heroes cannot stop it yet again, and Rip and Hal are pulled in.
0: Beforehand, though, Rip recognized this disaster as what it really is, a crisis. Waverider flies away through time, still wondering what the heck to do.
1: Back at the present, Hawkman confronts immortal villain Vandal Savage only to split into tons of versions of himself.
0: Dr. Mist, another immortal, senses the issue here and that he will need to summon his group, the Laymen.
1: Metron and company grab all the superheroes in a very crisis-like fashion, but the Phantom Stranger decides this isn't important enough.
0: Waverider returns to Vanishing Point to access the time computer called the Chronoscope, which teaches him about Crisis on Infinite Earths. He should have just listened to us!
1: The Justice Society meets up with Hawkman only for Green Lantern to suddenly look young and for Vandal Savage to violently be erased from existence. Waverider arrives to explain that time is unraveling at both ends, and thus Vandal Savage was never born. The Time Traveler breaks the news of Wally's death to Jay Garrick, who is devastated at the loss of another Flash.
0: And at Vanishing Point, above the incapacitated bodies of the remaining Linear Men, we meet our villain, Extant.
1: Zero Hour Number Three Jay grieves the apparent death of Wally West as the JSA decides to help Waverider in his quest to solve the new crisis. Waverider teleports the JSA to Vanishing Point, but three members mysteriously don't make it. Wave Rider. And the Hawk folks.
0: Superman and Metron head to meet up with the other superheroes before stopping in Keystone City. Impulse, the young 30th century speedster, is battling dinosaurs while looking for Wally. Bad news, kid!
1: Outside of time, the Legion bad guy, Time Trapper, yeah, we know he's currently dead, this is weird, confronts Cosmic Boy, revealing himself to be Cosmic Boy in the future. <gasps> Gasp! Cosmic Boy attacks him, vowing never to become this.
0: A large number of DC superheroes gather in New York City, including a literally mystically pregnant Power Girl. They elect Superman as their temporary leader. Surprise, surprise!
1: The JSA shows up at Vanishing Point, only to be pretty much immediately attacked by Extant.
0: The Hawks and Waverider find themselves in the time stream where every single Hawk version, as seen in last issue, merge into one Hawk being to help in the coming crisis, as a strange spectral Metron tells us.
1: At Legion headquarters, Brainiac 5 notices the contracting universe and is suitably concerned.
0: In Supertown on New Genesis, the new gods are thinking likewise.
1: Back in NYC, the heroes are still suitably confused about both alternate versions of themselves and recent changes to the general character status quo. It's cool. We feel this, too, as occasional visitors to the DC world. Waverider,
0: Hawk, Man and Metron return and break the bad news of current Flash and old Green Lantern's deaths. Guy Gardner, a former Green Lantern, wants to use this time crisis to save their friend Hal Jordan, who recently went evil and became the villain Parallax. Waverider struggles to explain who is behind all this before realizing who has recently invaded Vanishing Point. He poofs away.
1: At Vanishing Point, Extant is really wrecking the JSA with his time powers, killing the Atom and Our Man and destroying Dr. Fate. He also uses time powers to age everyone except for Green Lantern into old men. Wave Rider arrives. Too late.
0: Back in the present, all of time seems to be merging destructively. If the heroes don't stop it, things are going to be pretty bad. This seems awfully familiar.
1: Alan Scott Green Lantern tries to fight off Extant, who simply uses his evil time powers to deplete Green Lantern's ring. Waverider manages to seal the remaining JSA in a stasis field, and Extant reveals he is identical to Waverider. Bum bum bum!
0: Zero Hour Number Two Waverider is in disbelief as Extant gloats over his stolen powers. Before Waverider can retaliate, though, Extant sends him, Green Lantern, and the JSA back to the past before the villain turns behind him to address an army in shadow.
1: Back in the present, that pesky future city is still descending towards New York, which is going to cause some pretty awful stuff. However, Metron uses his boom tube powers along with energy from Captain Atom, Emerald Dragon, Superman, and the Ray, to safely transport the city back where it came from. Hooray for teamwork!
0: The JSA is brought back to the present, and things are looking pretty dire for the turned old superhero crew. Many of them are flown to a hospital, while Green Lantern and Flash quit superheroics forever. Okay, it's not going to be forever. Before leaving, though, Green Lantern gives the younger Green Lantern his ring as a memento.
1: The superheroes decide to combat this pincer attack-style threat. They must send two teams into the time stream. One into the past, and one into the future.
0: The future team, which includes Superman, Wonder Woman, the Outsiders, and the Legion of Superheroes, arrives to combat the entropy waves, only to be attacked by the future team known as the Team... Titans, who are under the sway of Extant.
1: Dr. Miss, the immortal that we saw two issues ago, is erased in front of his team, the Layman, as the past is gobbled up.
0: In the hospital, Wildcat and Sandman are saved, but Dr. Midnight does not make it. In anger, Jay Garrick the Flash decides to seek out the Spectre and force him to help.
1: Power Girl goes into mystical labor in front of Supergirl, and her baby projects... A magic force field around them. It's completely wild.
0: Extant spends a fun moment gloating from the vanishing point.
1: The past team of wave rider, teen titans, and crew go to the past. Much like the future team, they are confronted by even more team titans. A fight ensues, with Extant joining the fray.
0: This confuses the heck out of Waverider, since Extant was just in Vanishing Point. However, this is Extant in the past. He uses this moment to annihilate the Wave Rider and take his powers, thus turning him into the Extant we know and... love?
1: Before dying, however, Waverider sends the superheroes back to the present. However, Green Lantern accidentally drops his memento ring, which is picked up. By a mysterious figure.
0: In the future, Metron lobs his Mobius chair into the rift, which Captain Adam blasts with his quantum powers. This completely closes the rift. Great job, everyone. Time Trapper and Cosmic Boy, who I guess suddenly trusts Time Trapper, shows up and sends the non-Legion folks back to the past.
1: The remainder of the superheroes who stayed in the present also fight Team Titans, who now suddenly disappear due to the future folks stopping the entropy and thus wiping out the Team Titans timelines. I guess we'll just go with that. Extant is mad. Real mad.
0: Everyone returns with two extra Team Titans members who survived because they were in the time stream. Guy Gardner still secretly schemes to bring back Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps.
1: Past Extant comes back to Vanishing Point where he merges with a brooding present Extant.
0: And in the 30th century, the same mysterious figure reopens the Entropy Rift before letting the Green Lantern Ring fall into pieces, claiming that there is no need to be reminded of a universe that will be no more. All right, Christy, did you like zero hour issues four, three, and two?
1: (laughs) I like that you (laughs) specify the issue numbers for me now. It felt very DC to me. It felt very familiar. It, I don't, I don't know. It is definitely not my jam, but I love the colors. I'm going to give it to the art on this. I thought it was a lot of fun. All of the bright rainbow array of colors and. I enjoyed that a lot.
2: There's a lot of classical blocking done in the art as well. If you notice it, it really evokes a lot of classic Kirby era, like the ways that bodies are placed in the panels.
0: Yeah. It did. It was kind of a, kind of a back to basic superhero y kind of art. And I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you though, Christy. I think that was my, my favorite part of it. To me, a lot of this read as, as Crisis
2: on Infinite Earth's light.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: It's definitely the time crisis without the dinosaurs.
1: We had a little bit of dinosaurs.
2: There's like, like this teeny, yeah. teeny
0: bit. Yeah. Like three <laughs> panels.
2: It's it's a very important to have the dinosaurs. That actually ties into Armageddon 2001.
0: Okay, oh. readers, if you didn't know Armageddon 2001, I think was the crossover that preceded this one. Mm, well, it's... It, I mean, it did precede it.
2: So this, the, the entirety of Zero Hour is basically just, some things happened in Armageddon 2001. Weren't you wondering what was happening with that the entire time, the event? <laughs> oh, boy. Because <laughs> uh, it, it basically just picks up all of the exact same story threads. And then just, it was, you know, three years later, I believe. Uh, like, this is 94, where 2001 was in 91. Right. Like, I wish I could appropriately like quickly explain, but basically nothing that happens in this event doesn't have a correlation to something that happened in Armageddon 2001. It's basically just a complete rehash. Boy, should we have maybe read that one first? (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry to, uh, to be the bearer of DC news here, but, um, it, it definitely like it, It stands alone as a, like, as you said, back to basics hero event. But the, the things that go on, uh, let's just, let's just start getting, getting into the issues and I can just interject when, oh yes, and this is that thing over there. Certainly.
0: (laughs) We, when we get into issue four, we almost immediately go to vanishing point, which is where, All of the time based heroes hang out. And I had never heard of Wave Rider before. This was, he was, he was new to me.
1: I was like, is this guy really popular in the early 90s? Like,
2: no, no, he's just, (laughs) no, no. Wave Rider. Okay, so Wave Rider was never popular. Uh, Anybody who tries to tell you otherwise is lying to you. (laughs) And he's just gold surfer of time like he's basically the silver surfer but he he's doing it time style and he never got any (laughs) traction and he's actually a cautionary tale of uh why you do not mess with mr mind uh in the at the end
0: sounds good yeah
2: yeah so the in the vanishing point there we meet the time trapper really right out of the gate now do you guys know who the time trapper is
0: i know time trapper because my dad's favorite superheroes were the legion and he read them like in the silver age Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. but
0: then he has had several different identities um but in this case his identity is dies very quickly (laughs)
2: so and so
0: it
1: felt like a really important moment and then he that shows i read up like
2: a, an issue yeah and I was like, oh all right so some explanation here so mm-hmm. what all of this is is there is the legion of superheroes mm-hmm. and at the time of this publishing there was a really big time trapper and uh, Mordru centric plot line, uh, Mordru being the like Mister Master of Mysticism in the far future that is the Legion. Uh, so there were actually two uh, entire legions at the time. There were the older legions who were coming out of the five year later story arc. And then there was an entire batch of either they were clones or they were actually the original Golden Age Legion uh, that had just been kept in suspended animation and all of their clones were being the Legion. So who was the clones and who was real was uh, still a question at the time of this Time Trapper story. That killing the Time Trapper here in issue 4 of 0 hour causes that entire reality to no longer exist and they reboot the legion in that moment. Oh. And I I understand that there's like no <laughs> there's like no way of letting like the reader know this at all.
0: Yeah, this was light on editorial notes.
2: Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And it and it ch- could probably be extremely heavy on them. <laughs> um because they were-
1: definite moments that i'm like oh this is where a tie-in probably picks back up in the story i tell they, they had a side quest
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes yes there's a lot of side quests going on and yeah the, and so there's this whole thing with the time trapper is is actually just related to like like you know three or so years of stories in the legion books that all accumulate up to this point and uh do not appear in this book at all.
0: It <laughs> was like the first <laughs> page too.
2: That's and and that's the first page. So, so continuing yeah. this is moving forward.
0: <laughs> right. Um I really enjoyed how Rip Hunter in the 90s looks like Cable. Yes. Yes,
2: <laughs> what is up with that?
0: Yeah, he's normally kind of a little bit more of like a dashing superhero, but yeah, they, he's got like an eye patch sort of, and he's older, and he's got a gun.
2: I was like, wow, they really wanted to just make him cable, didn't they? It it was the nineties, I yeah, suppose that kind of thing was in.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> Things that are in that were in that I wish were not mystical pregnancies. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Everett, could you enlighten us a little bit on Power Girl's
2: mystical pregnancy? If no. Know a little
0: bit more about it? <laughs> no, <laughs> Don't, we,
2: no, I, just I, pretend it doesn't. I, happen. So, so uh, that is actually one of the few things that I uh, have no idea about and will likely never seek to educate myself about because there are some things right. <laughs> uh, in comics that are actually their relics of their time. Yep, and they're not relevant to uh the character as as they exist now right
0: definitely not it blew my mind that she literally said the pregnancy is mystical in nature and i'm like that's the name of the trope
2: <laughs> yep yes. yep oh.
0: that was that was pretty
2: wild. no and uh and you of course and and this is you know later on in the in the crossover but you notice she just has birth just fine off panel and nothing else is said about it
0: well yeah. all right yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. Well, it, it, I that, got there
1: because I read the final. Read this, <laughs> this,
2: right, <issue>. but <laughs> less that we
0: read, a, her baby made a force field around her. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: God, it's, I it's I actually bad. went and I read uh, those issues mm-hmm. that are you know the the tie-ins and the immediate aftermath stuff and um, don't don't all mm- right don't do what I did. I chose to look into it just a little bit, and I discovered that I really shouldn't have yeah. all right readers you've been warned just <laughs> don't do it yeah
1: i remember early in my comic reading days finding like a list of all of the different superheroes you didn't realize were moms and nearly everything from the list was just i was just like i don't ever want to read that <laughs> nope
2: yep no nope. you know that this is and, and it serves the plot not at all here, right? So the, no. the, the mystical president pregnancy has nothing to do with zero hour, but is rather just like what is going on at the time. And so they have to like mention it. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on in zero hour where people are just mentioning things and nothing is driving the plot forward.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of kind of, like, beats of things that happen that probably didn't need to take so long. Mm-hmm. Like, we've been through three issues, and they, they would... I mean, the ultimate culmination of these three issues is, like, they go forward, and back in time, one of the rifts in the, in gets stopped, one of them doesn't. It gets reopened anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and losing losing another flash. Like... True. I, just,
1: it's just like again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like they, they got one way to pull on your heartstring and it's that empty costume. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this time they were like, let's throw a little Michelangelo in there. We'll have Wave Rider grabbing it. You know, like it's, yeah. it's good. It's great classical composition. And, you know, I, I appreciate the artistry, but they could, also try something new.
0: <laughs> Good.
2: That's the other side of it, I guess. Hey,
1: they, bro- they broke the mold with the numbering, and they thought, perfect.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to imagine, in
0: 1994, I only really bought comics in grocery stores. I'm trying to imagine buying Zero Hour and buying Issue 1 and being like, what? <laughs> oh, I, right, I got
2: one better for you. Yes. Of course. This is... So what you got to understand is that uh, Armageddon 2001 and Zero Hour were my first events. And I was reading them as a eight-year-old. Imagine trying to get this through to an eight-year-old. And I only had uh, issue number three. Oh. And uh, of Armageddon 2001, I only had issue number two. Oh man. Uh, And I would read them back to back and just imagine. The rest? (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, so, so I had, I had tie in issues, but they were all random tie in issues because I was getting all of my comics from my mom's dance partner who, you know, he, he's the, like, one of the, like, big influences in my life. He died of AIDS. And at the time that we were living with him, I got all of his comics. And of course, he you know, and he had comics with the X Men with the Legacy Virus, and that's where like that solidified for me as a thing. And so, so th- actually, the the Legionnaires, the Legion of Superhero stuff, was the stuff that he had the most of. And so, I was super super connected to this Zero Hour event because it has such such powerful uh, impacts on the Legion books going forward. Yeah, of course, none of this comes up in this. So
0: no, it's it's good. I I honestly expected to see more Legion content. I think because my impression of this event was, oh, this big Legion implications. Yes, but for, for the most part. So at first, when you see the Legion, it's it's Legion with periods in between all of the all of the uh, the letters. Like oh
2: yes, mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Brainiac Five is just like detecting. The the waves of entropy, and he's concerned. And then we don't
2: see him for the rest of these few issues. Oh yeah, the best part is is that that Brainy is off model. So at the time in the actual Legion comics themselves, Brainy had been artificially aged into an old, uh roided out Hulk looking man. And this guy just does not look like and, that. And this is just normal Brainy. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> have I have I have I mentioned that there are some things going on here? Like this is quite a crisis.
0: This is quite a crisis. We see that with things like Babs as Batgirl, as back as Batgirl, but yes. Also, Oracle's probably somewhere. Yep. That made a lot of sense in Crisis on Infinite Earths to me, where all of the Earths were overlaying. It makes a little bit less sense to me with the fact that we supposedly have one universe at this point.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's they kind of they kind of lampshaded a little bit with people's costumes changing like mid issue mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, no, that's not them. That's a different time version of them. And like, I I think that's that's pretty cool. But but I want to talk about the Hawkman stuff. Oh. No, I I want you to. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Because that was wild. OK, so 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 you're like, why is all of a sudden there are like nine Hawkmen? Right. And I know that Hawkman is just an enigma in general. Uh, Yes. Wrapped in a mystery. So the important thing here, uh, is once again, Armageddon 2001, uh, during that event, Hawkman, Hawk girl, and all of the like multiversal Hawks were merged into one Hawk God. Yes. And then this is somehow undone in this right they but, are all now hawkman but it it there's there is so little explanation and no resolution for anything after that
0: well i expected a lot because they said something like he's going to be a great new warrior to help us in these these times and then i don't remember him doing anything after that I, but again, we still have two issues. I feel like I'm really dunking on Zero Hour, a Christ or a comic that, in general, I enjoyed reading.
2: No, no, no. So uh, we you got to You got to get to the the meat and potatoes of it, which is the it's just fun. Yeah, it's high impact, high color, high drama. The stakes are that people are just you know dying left, right, and center. It's definitely like hits on all of those like, oh, yeah, I really want to like continue reading this event and a really strong feeling like nothing is ever going to be the same. Mm -hmm. This definitely feels like
0: a comic that I would have loved to have grabbed off the racks and like got home, like turned and like... Bedtime rolls around, I, like, flip on my light, like, flop on my bed and, like, open this comic, and I'd be like, whoa.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, this is an 8 to 10-year-old's dream right here. Like, uh, you have no context, so you can just imagine any backstory that you want for what's actually going on, because what's actually going on is pretty nonsensical <laughs> it's,
0: right it's it's, it's it's as complex as your brain would make it anyway
2: <laughs> yeah so like here's one for you they're doing all of this time stuff mm-hmm. and like it, immediately in, in a period before this after crisis on infinite earth there was a time barrier and like you know time travel beyond a certain certain eras just was not a thing you can do. This seems to completely ignore <laughs> that i i I love it because I have such a a strong attachment to the stories that are told around it. Mm-hmm. and it itself is like eating cotton candy, but for comics.
0: yes.
1: I like that analogy. No, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it, it
0: is light and tasty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. It is light and tasty. And then the meat and potatoes are all of the things going on around this event, like the outsiders. Like it, it was, it was really incredible. And that was one of the runs that like I had growing up. And I, you know, probably should not have been reading that comic at the age that I was reading it because it like is pretty adult for a DC product in 94, but like, it's fantastic, and these like so so much of DC in this era was actually really good. Like when you go back and can view it with unclouded eyes, mm-hmm. Zero Hour was mostly just an excuse. <laughs> like like <laughs> fair, it's good, it's good. I enjoy it, but it's an excuse and it's fun. This is another time
0: where I was really interested to see that the, um, at least for these three issues, the creative team is completely the same all throughout. You got to love that. (laughs) Yeah. It was really nice. (laughs) And uh, Dan Juergen's writing and drawing, I mean, uh, finishes were by Jerry Ordway uh, finishes slash inks, but Dan was just, was just plotting and scripting,
2: (laughs) which is pretty wild. Yeah. dude, Dude has to be incredibly talented because you know, for for all that we've been ragging on it, it does manage to take nearly every important character in the DC universe, put them all in one event, and have it mean something
0: at yeah. the end. That's definitely true. I, it, the last DC crossover we read, I had a lot of trouble because it was difficult to to like pluck out of out of time and space. Mm-hmm. It was very run dependent. And while there are some status quo's in here that I was like, well, let me do a little bit more research. I, I didn't feel like I even really needed them to continue on with the plot. Even Waverider, a character that I'd never read before. I feel like I got his deal, like, in oh, yeah. Pages. oh
2: yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. through time. Yeah. Like you're completely right. He serves through time. <laughs> and that's, you don't need to know a ton more. Yeah. You it's, don't, you, you really don't. You really don't. And you know, Waverider is responsible for some really incredible issues of comics like in the uh the prelude to Armageddon two thousand and one stuff mm-hmm. uh he would would just like go from book to book and he would have like an else world with the uh the hero of whatever title he was on oh. uh looking for the person who Becomes monarch in the future who might be relevant to this story, maybe. Maybe. And so, so what Brave Rider would do is he would time travel in right in front of someone, reach his hand into their chest and grab their heart. Then he would read their future. What? <laughs> and depending upon what he saw, he would uh, he w- had the determination to crush their heart in their, ch- in, uh, their chest. That is completely wild. <laughs> oh my god. <gosh. clears throat> so he uses like barely any of his shape shifting or intangibility powers in any of this zero hour content. And he certainly never sticks his hand in someone's chest and, you know, weighs their future as, uh, you know, jury and executioner, which like, th- like the Batman one, that, that issue stuck with me really, really hard. It's like a, oh, if I remember correctly, it's a future where uh he and Talia al Ghul get married.
0: Oh. And it's
2: like, it's it's bad times. Like, it's bad times. But it's also, like, not what the wave rider was looking for. So he must move on. And so then he goes to, then he went to somebody else's solo book for their uh, tie-in issue, you know? Right. That's a, that is a rad plot device. I'm sorry. Like, that is, that is just baller comics who even came up with this genius. And, and then of course he gets no traction and no love and nobody likes him.
0: Right. Unfortunate.
2: Hey, (laughs) it's just, it's just how things are.
0: It's just how things are. So I wanted to talk a little bit about extant. So I, from what I understand, he is a future version of um, Hank Hall. Uh huh, yeah. Who is Hawk.
2: Of yes. Hawk and Dove. Yes. Hawk of Hawk and Dove. Armageddon 2001 had a surprise ending because someone spoiled the ending like, like months and months and months before, oh. uh, it came out. So someone had taken a picture and the picture revealed uh, the mysterious villain that the Wave Rider was trying to suss out from amongst the heroes who was going to betray them, someone got, uh, evidence that it would be Captain Adam. Oh. So, instead of doing that, they had Monarch kidnap Hawk and Duff. He like taunts them, like carries them around, makes them watch as he builds this giant bomb. Kills Dove in front of Hawk after, you know, goading him. And thus the monarch convinces Hawk to beat him to death with his bare hands. And when he looks at the face, the ruined face of the man who has fallen under his fists, the face is his own. Uh, that makes sense. Right? So, cut to the, uh, you know, he puts on the armor He's decided to become the, you know, villain who did all of these things to him to bring order to the world because in the future he's a, you know, ruthless dictator. That's why Ray, Wave Rider is trying to stop him from coming about in the first place. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, he killed all, all, he kills all of the um, superheroes by backstabbing them. Because mm. of course he is one. Right. And they, what ends up happening is he, he, You know, baits them all in. He's going to use the bomb, bombiest bomb that ever bombed, get rid of everybody. And Captain Adam, right, who is supposed to be the villain of the tale, ends up, you know, absorbing all of the quantum energy. And the monarch is, you know, teleported through time and is lost. And for a while, Captain Adam was lost in time as well. That's where the dinosaur thing is, is that at the end of that, Uh Captain Adam is actually stuck in prehistory with the dinosaurs. hmm So, Extant, apparently, is a f- future version of Hank Hall that is more future than his final monarch version, somehow. And I don't even have words for how that one works. But so... He then time loops himself between issues. Um, was it three and two? Three and two. Yeah. I between so. between issues three and two, he time loops himself. And mm-hmm. why? <laughs> <laughs> so he, I guess, I, I guess the thought
0: was he could be in two places at once. I particularly liked when the slightly younger version who goes and absorbs Wave Rider. Yeah, comes back and then the the most future extant is like come here i'm gonna absorb you (laughs) and just kind of
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it's like it's like there's no like wait what and uh but but see the thing is is that they they do the loop just to get rid of wave rider yep seemingly just so that they could have had the reveal where it's like it's wave rider's face Right. I'm wondering
0: if you were reading that, if you think like, wait, does Waverider somehow become extant? And then yeah. you find out that he just like eats him. No, instead. it's he,
2: it's just, it's just Monarch again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's once again, it's just Monarch again, guys. Right. It's not a mystery. My and... is,
0: yeah, it's not a mystery. <laughs> His name is Extant, which just means is here, so I think that that's pretty good. Like, if something is Extant, it means it exists. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> what, what a scary name. Striking the
2: fear into the hearts of my enemies.
0: I am here.
1: here. I am present.
2: Uh, you're going to
0: have a kid in one of your classes, Christy, who you're going to call Roll, and they're going to say
2: Extant.
1: Oh that was bad.
2: <laughs> that would been that would have been me like like that, I'm sure I'm sure I did that one
0: day. I'm certain
2: I'm certain I'm guilty of that sin. Oh, uh,
0: it's a good sin to be guilty of.
2: Okay, so so basically like all of the all of the various things happen here and uh especially in issue number uh 2 we get a whole bunch of like rebalancing of the universe moving forward. Yes. So, the Justice Society of America. What do What do you guys? How do you guys feel about this?
0: I, I classically love the Justice Society, so it was pretty rough seeing them just getting completely housed by by Extant. Uh, like that was rough. I. The Justice Society, I think, popped up in one of the first comics I read. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, super old. Old dudes, I'm in. Uh, so this this was pretty rough. I hear that. So after a Crisis, they were gone. Yes. So, But then they came back, and now they've decided, like, no, they shouldn't have come back.
2: Is that the deal? I mean, I have to imagine that that was the deal. But, like, there are so many iterations of Justice Society of America after this it's more it's more just that like nothing that happens in a crisis actually sticks
0: no they definitely have these plans of we're going to make the universe a specific way because we want it to be less complex or more streamlined and then eventually some writer two years down the road goes i missed the jsa and they're like okay bring him back
2: yeah so (laughs) definitely the like the crises are used to like mothball some titles mm-hmm. and bring up new ones or, you know, reboot the whole darn line or, you know, do some like editing here or there. And, um, you know, I, I definitely understand why they feel it is necessary, but this part, the turning heroes old part. That always really negatively, like, resonated with me, where, like, that's a, that is a fear. You have oh, a time, yeah. you have a time-based villain, and he just takes all of your time from you. And it's just like, oh, that's chilling. And it's super chilling when, um, it's like Wildcat and, uh, and Our Man are going after Extant, and Extant is like, you are just men. And then, like, Reduces them to being extremely old. And like, I really enjoy the JSA. I really enjoy that they are super powered old dudes. And I think that there is always a place for like talking about the heroism of our elders and the things that they continue to do for us. And I just, I never agreed with the decision to mothball the JSA at like any any step,
0: right? Which is even current. I don't believe that they're no nope. currently in DC. No, nope. they, they might come back. I feel like Bendis probably loves them, so we'll see. <laughs>
2: hey, you know he's doing a really great job over there. Like I, uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm not reading a lot of the titles. But, you know, I read all of the, the initial stuff as it was coming out. And I just, like, I'm glad. I'm glad that he can do something and it can turn out like that. Because normally I only trust him on, uh, like, noir crime dramas, basically. And, like, he does, he's the guy who does the no- noir car- crime dramas. And it's great when you can break out from being typecast like that.
0: Yeah. His Superman books are good. And I heard, I haven't read it, but everybody says that his new book, Naomi is like primo.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep. The buzz, the buzz with the bees on that tile is pretty good. I read a bunch of the Superman stuff and, you know, it actually reminded me a lot of Louise in Superman. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, I think that's a, um, flattering place to be.
0: Oh, definitely.
2: Anyway, so so they they depower the JSA very very aggressively. Yeah, sweep them off the table, and then a uh, future team attacks.
0: Have you have you heard of these these uh, these individuals, Christy?
1: No, no,
2: the the
0: team Titans, the team
2: Titans. <laughs> so this is this is more of that alternate uh future cleaning up mm-hmm. it's just more more cleaning this is this is, this is a like if a crisis is fun but it spends all of its time scrubbing, is it still good?
1: <laughs> I've been thinking the same thing you mentioned earlier just talking about all of the different things that. A line can accomplish throughout an event and resetting things, rebooting things, all of those things. And that's great if it can accomplish that and still make it about a story that we care about. But getting hung up on those other bits just, I don't know, makes it feel like the story itself isn't worth it. I And maybe that's not maybe that's not fair. I just when the stakes are, the whole universe is going to end and everything is... I, that that to me is just not a believable stake because, you know, it's, it's not going to stick around. DC is not ending. Like, they're going to figure this out and things are going to be a little bit different. And there you go.
0: I don't even know if I think about the stakes anymore. I think I'm just like, sure, big stakes. Like, what, right. are, what are the bits? Right.
2: Um, yeah. No, because, like, ultimately... We go into zero hour and we're like, okay, it's a crisis. And as long as we are not like, there's not going to be a full reboot after this. There's just going to be a bunch of number zeros. And I think that we should really talk about that because, um, you know, it was 94 and zero issues were in. Yes. And I bet they sold a metric hecton of issue zeros after this event. And, like, at some level, we have to respect when a company can put out, like, 30, 40 zeros yeah. <laughs> and everybody goes out and buys them. Like,
0: yep. I
1: mean, it's like uh, Jordan D. White was talking about on Battle of the Atom recently. Like, it just sells whenever you can reboot it the one or in this case, zero. Like, it improves sales.
0: Yeah, like a lot of people say, like, oh, it's cheap to do a lot of number ones, but it does it does literally every time sell better. So, like, cheap or not, it uh, it works,
2: right? Yeah, I um I f- do always find that super fascinating, but th- that like comes into a, a larger discussion of like what actual sales numbers look like, right? And how much like. DC and Marvel just get bodied by Captain Underpants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or like anything by Raina Togemeyer.
2: Yeah. 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 No, like just, just, just taken to town. And so like, you know, you, you, people can say like, oh, you know, uh, you know, issue number ones or issue number zeros, they traditionally boost numbers. It's like, that is like, that's true. And we have like, there's no getting away from that but the real question is is like well how do we have sustainable numbers that have growth over time how do you mm-hmm. instead of looking for that big number one sale number up front you continue to to grow the audience and um i specifically wanted to bring this up because of zero hour
0: mm-hmm.
2: because of my experience with the reboot legion mm-hmm. so when i was Young, Of course, I had no idea that uh, the Legionnaires that I was reading were the clone Legionnaires or alternately the Golden Age Legionnaires that had been kept in suspended animation by the Dominators for a whole long time. And I only read the Legionnaires comics. And then later after that, I started picking up more Legionnaires. And all of my favorite characters were looked the same. And acted completely different. And some of my favorites were missing. Oh. And I did not know what uh, was going on. And Zero Hour uh, rebooted the franchise into what is known as the Reboot Legion. Which, uh, you know, I read the whole thing recently. And uh, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Reboot Legion gets this really excellent, just absolutely incredible say uh send off by Dan abnett and Andy Lansing, um, who, you know, are absolutely incredible doing big cosmic stuff and they give the Legion of Superheroes reboot of the the best it could possibly get. And uh like, it's not worth it versus the stories that were being told immediately before Zero Hour happened. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm really passionate about this because, um, this is, these, these were some of the, like, most amazing comics. Like, I've, they just absolutely blew me away. And, like, they cut the, um, the book Rebels as well, which was basically, like, the cosmic DC book at the time. Mm. Uh, it got cut. And did not um, start back up after Zero Hour as well. So, like, if you like the event comics, mm-hmm. but you don't like anything the event did, is it still good?
0: Oh, I know. Because we, we always pluck these out of out of time for the most part. Like, we kind of cover them as they are. And it is sometimes, like, very worthy to mention, like, this may have been good and also might have done bad things. Uh, the opposite would, be, to me, would have been Secret Invasion, a, an event that was not particularly good, but the comics that came out of it were pretty interesting.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I loved Secret Invasion, except for, um, uh, Homie with the, uh, the Freedom Ring. Ron, Ron.
0: Uh huh.
2: Or Runnel. It's like R, uh, apostrophe NL or whatever. Yes. He didn't deserve to get played like that. Like, they, he he is that that is still one of the most tragic deaths in comics is the Skrull who sacrificed everything for Earth. And then as soon as he was standing there in the big damn hero moment, someone just shot him in the back of the head because he was a Skrull.
0: It's true. Uh. It's like, that, that comic came out at a, at a fairly unfortunate time for the messages that it's producing. And we will eventually talk about it, Christy. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. You gotta gotta call me when you're talking secret invasion because uh I'm all <laughs> next about, I'm yeah, next all time about the to... uh yeah, we'll talk the initiative, we'll talk the Iron Spider program, oh yeah, all the all the goodies.
0: Oh yeah. That'll I that was my first event that I was reading like um I read a bunch of stuff kind of in trades but I was like I'm going to get monthly comics dang it I'm I finally have spending money because I'm like in college I'm going to do it and that was the first thing I bought. Wow. Yep.
2: And you're still here. <laughs>
0: and I'm still here.
2: <laughs> you're still here.
0: At the time I loved Secret Invasion but in retrospect I'm like okay. But the there's the the comics that spun out of it like I still really like. But anyway, we're getting
2: we're yes. getting slightly off yes. track. so it. let's so, so let's get get back to the the scrub work.
0: Right. So Christy, there is a mysterious figure who is kind of in the background of a lot of the these these uh, these panels. Were you noticing? What no? What? The, do you remember uh, when? Green Lantern was given the elder Green Lantern's ring, and it got left kind of in the past, and someone picks it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is a mysterious figure who we do not know the identity of yet.
1: Oh, oh, okay, yes,
0: yes. Yes. We'll, we'll learn who that is next issue, but it's, uh <laughs> I, we'll have to probably mention it, because uh, uh Everett, we got a, a few questions to cover here in a, in a few moments. and yes. What so that is Hal Jordan, Green Lantern? Yes. Oh, oh right, because you read. I read the, final, read the final, issue. final. Yeah, yeah. At this point, he had turned evil, and yeah, was like off the you table. You hear
1: some people talking about yeah. that throughout.
0: Guy Gardner wants nothing more than to bring back the Green Lantern Corps and Hal Jordan. It's like all he can talk about in these issues. <sighs> so parallax. Yeah, y'all, y'all know, y'all know about parallax. I know about parallax. I don't. I, Christy no. maybe doesn't know a ton about parallax.
2: <laughs> okay, Christy, just want you to know that um, if you only read the Green Arrow issues, you'll have a much better emotional connection to the whole parallax thing than any other way of consuming parallax as a medium. Because they always, they always really nail parallax and Ollie,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like. It'll be it'll be a few years after this particular event, but there is a very specific time where Ollie is not being the Green Lantern and his son is and Hal Jordan as Parallax, like as this insanely powerful uh, deity, just like shows up and scoops Ollie up and is just like, hey, let's go tour America again like we used to do. And it, it is both existentially horrifying and extremely, uh, emotionally touching and is the best, ep- uh, issue of like anything that has parallax in it whatsoever, like by far.
1: All right.
0: Yeah. So, so check that out.
2: Yeah. So check, check specifically that out. And then you can ignore everything else. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm right. pretty sure the move is, is you ignore all the rest of it. Right. <laughs> because, um, you know, as we have come to learn, two universe reboots later, uh, that was actually the ghost of the color yellow, the evil ghost of the color yellow, yes. uh, you know, possessing him the entire time.
1: The co- the color yellow. So you
2: yes, know, there's
0: Green Lanterns.
1: Oh, there's all the oh, other
2: colors oh, okay. Well. <laughs> oh no 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 no! You you can't just be like there's all the other colors. It's all the rainbow colors. It's that the each rainbow color uh, has an evil ghost. Mm-hmm. And these it's like evil houses. Yes, the, <laughs> yes, yes. And these evil ghosts can be shackled. Uh, by magical technology into batteries. Right? So there's also an evil green ghost who they also later, uh, shove into the central power battery to draw all of their power for it. So just know that every time a green lantern uses his ring, it's actually the hatred of an evil color ghost that gives them their wings. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: I don't know why anything surprises me in comics anymore.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, did uh Everett? Is there anything else you specifically wanted to mention before we get to these few questions?
2: Oh Thank yeah, you. yes, yes. I want to talk about. I want to talk about something that you guys, like, you guys already got to the crisis where Wave Rider dies. Right? Is that a cross? Is that a crossover? You guys have already done
0: when we're hit, wave rider dies yeah other than being absorbed
2: in this issue in in these Yeah, no, issues. no, the the next no. time.
0: No, oh. I don't think so.
2: Okay. So, um that is I actually believe that's in Countdown to Final Crisis.
0: Oh. Yeah. I don't I don't know if we're going to cover Countdown. I I it's feel like so
2: that. much.
0: It's a lot and it doesn't act, it, it weirdly doesn't tie into final crisis
2: <laughs> yes yeah yeah that is that is very real uh so so just so just just really really quickly yeah so this is one of the more macabre things and i just i just really really gotta say so basically the whole thing is that uh mr mind you know the evil telepathic caterpillar from shazam and yes. the captain marvel uh so Apparently, he kills Wave Rider uh, outside of time and space, and then uses his golden skin to make <laughs> to make a ship that he then goes back in time to the future to become Skeets for Booster Gold. That's right. And that was, was that in Countdown or Fifty Two. Was it, it was either in? I thought it was in Countdown. I thought I that was in Countdown. Right. I
0: know in 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 fifty two you find out Skeets is evil, but I don't know if you find out that he was literally Mister Vibe.
2: Yeah, no, it's Mister Mind wearing Wave Rider's skin as a suit. <laughs> oh,
0: no. Christy is not handling this in the closet right now.
2: <laughs> so every time you see Booster Gold, you can just think about that. <laughs>
0: It's like his little chrysalis. Maybe he'll turn into a butterfly.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, he already turned into a butterfly and then was already defeated and is already, you know, back in the loop again. But I mean, I just just like so everyone knows, like Wave Rider died so that we never take Mr. Mind uh for granted. You know, like (laughs) we should. the, The takeaway here is actually that Mr. Mind is an incredible villain. Not that Wave Rider was bad. I'm,
0: I, okay. I like it,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I just that was that's one of those that's one of those things where if we're talking about Wave Rider, I'd really just got to be like. And then every time you see Booster Gold, yep,
0: remember yep. that his his robot sidekick uh, is uh, made of
2: skin. <laughs> yes, is made of Wave Rider skin. The poor sod.
1: Okay do we want to do accolades before questions or after
0: accolades before questions all right okay
1: accolades
0: everett i didn't know if you had if you had picked any accolades this time
2: oh no no no. i i agree with this one right at the top
0: okay so yes i'm my, my, uh, my greatest hero, Christy, is Wave Rider because I guess he sacrifices everything. And for a while, he definitely seems like the main character. But I, I definitely said, I guess Wave Rider with a question mark.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause no, if you notice, no one really gets to do a whole lot.
0: No, it is so kind of piecemealed. I, I almost gave it to Wally. Um, because he's like, he goes from like, I guess I'm stopping some future villains to I guess I got to save the world to dead.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep. I I gave it to Flash.
0: Oh, you gave it, you gave it to Wally West. Yes. Okay, so that makes sense. For <laughs> liter- we are we are big fans of the heroic sacrifice here on Chris's on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we had to give it to them. Um, yeah, but
1: so Chris and Everett had a Daily Double. We though? did. So yes. I'm going to insert Matt D. Wilson's. Daily double noise <laughs> here.
2: <laughs> yes. Nice.
1: Saving it
0: forever. We literally asked him, hey, <laughs> that was good. Can we just, can we just
2: nick it? Can we take yeah. that? And he's like, go it, for it. Yeah, that's the good stuff right there.
1: So thank you, Matt, for that.
0: Thank you, Matt. Christy, what was your coolest moment?
1: Um, We skipped best line.
0: What was your best line?
1: Um, my best line... Uh, was from Flash where they're, uh, explaining what he needs to do to fix things that doesn't fix things. And he says, No problem. Maybe I can whip up a cure for cancer between strides.
0: That's pretty good. I'm
1: like, I need to keep that line just tucked in my pocket. Next time an admin asks me to do something extra, I'll just yep. slide that in there.
2: <laughs> so
0: my great or my best line was from Superboy who decided that in Earth's distant past, he needed to get really flirty. <laughs> and he says, I want to know what's going down after we get this thing fried shut. Ever seen a Hawaiian beach under a full moon anima? <laughs> and the Ray is so pissed at him. <laughs> the Ray says, give me a break. But I like that Superboy needs to to spit games so bad that he <laughs> at the end or at the beginning of, of the universe that's being eaten up. He decides he's going to really just do some lines.
1: Felt a little bit like Iceman.
2: man. <laughs> did feel a little bit <laughs> like Iceman. He does a lot of that. Uh, I do not have a best line from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, is there a lot of uh, really great linear men uh, narration boxes
0: there are a ton of great linear men narration boxes it is all it is all very very much a lot
2: <laughs> yes like i i i want i would like to see some uh, rebirth linear men that's what i'm on about
0: yeah i would kind of like to see that too
2: i think that would be that would be pretty
0: rad um uh, maybe we'll see them a little bit in the the legion millennium uh, like two shot where they're trying to kind of bring a bunch of future people back.
2: Oh like, yeah, I maybe. have I have so many feelings about the uh, Legion designs upcoming too.
0: I love uh, Matter Eater Lad who has become Matter Eater
2: Dad. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, he can. Uh, this is not rated for that. Uh, <laughs> so I think that like eighty percent of those designs are about the greatest thing uh, ever. But boy, oh boy, what did they do to my element, lad? What did um, they do to Jan?
0: Yeah, that's, that's totally fair.
2: Every, everything else is, uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Loving it. Uh, yeah, I not, guess they not Jan. They couldn't all be winners. <laughs> not Jan.
1: All right, Chris, what about your coolest moment?
0: My coolest moment is when they decide to use the Mobius chair a bunch of people shooting lasers and then captain adam like for like the salt on the end to <laughs> fling a future city back to the back to the future yes overlaying cities is a thing that seems to happen in every single one of these crises they're like there's a city that's going to be on top of another city and we have to stop it
2: yeah cuz you don't want the two cities touching
0: you do not they <laughs> will i
2: guess bad things will happen <laughs> It's unsanitary.
0: <laughs> I guess. We're from a twin city, so I'm like, I don't know. That sounds fine.
1: <laughs> uh, my coolest moment. you, I just, I love the double page spread with all of the heroes in, I think it was maybe issue th- three? Three? I, I don't know. Three. We got Wonder Woman in the front and all the heroes, like, swooping in the back. I love how, like, they have... You can always have, like, 30 heroes coordinating on Awesome Pose, but when, like, you and two other people try to take, like, a picture jumping on the beach, they're all terrible.
2: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: Double-page spreads where all the heroes are meeting are, like, your kryptonite for Coolest Moment. You're like, man, look at all of them. There's, like, 30 heroes here. Nothing's cooler than this.
2: No, and and it's so so pure and good because, like, that is the good stuff right there.
0: That's true. That is the good stuff.
2: So my coolest moment is any time Waverider is traveling through time. Oh my gosh, that effect is so ah, rad. It is Where so cool. All of the black parts of his costume turn into a streaming rainbow of like, I don't know, temporal rainbow time move manipulation. Like, ugh, mm, it looks so good. Yeah,
0: it's super cool. Uh that was one of my favorite effects in this in these three issues is the cool time travel stuff. And that's like g- going back to you Christy where you said you love the colors. I feel oh, like Oh yeah. that was another time where it was like this these are great colors.
2: <laughs> yes, there's just so many of them and they are radiating. It's like ah uh, radiating. I just I just like I don't how did Wave Rider not catch on? I don't get it.
0: Oh, I know. I,
2: it, was, it was like a billion cool colors. Yeah, how is a billion cool colors time cop just not the business?
1: Um, it's not a very easy-to-make Halloween costume.
2: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: All right, Silly Villainy.
0: The Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy goes for Extant Eating His Past Self. In his past self, just going, yeah, sure, why not? I'll be absorbed. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if that's how that would work. He probably seemed like he had more things to do to get to that point. Nope, just come, come here, buddy. Just
2: <sighs> so uh, my award for silly villainy is uh, Time Trapper absorbing, killing himself as well. Because <laughs> if you notice, there are two two villains in this, three villains in this altogether. That's true. And do you notice what all three of them do?
0: There's a lot of killing past selves.
2: (laughs) There's a lot of self-immolation going on in this. Just a really suspicious amount of self-immolation going on in
0: this.
1: Well, well, my silly villainy goes to (laughs) Darkseid.
0: Oh, right. Darkseid is in this for like one panel.
1: Yeah, because Metron shows up and he's like, we need your help. And he's like... That's impossible. If something were wrong, I'd know. <laughs> <laughs> it's <so good.
2: laughs> it's a very dark side. Oh, that is fantastic. So uh and also on on the last thing, self immolation, last last thing to white to uh poke at here is so I mentioned the wave rider is basically just like Silver Surfer uh in time. Yeah. Okay, so there's one other thing going on here. So he's got the gold skin, and he's got the fire hair, but he's a dude. And at this time, over in Marvel Comics, Silver Surfer definitely had a golden-skinned, fire-haired girlfriend in Frankie Reyes Nova. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this guy, he's just straight up like, Oh, look, we took these two characters. I shipped them. Wait a minute. I got this really great OC and like, that's actually what's going on here. And like, if you make an entire crisis about a really awesome OC from the other company, is it still good?
0: <laughs> Questions we ask ourselves. Yeah. An OC that is just two, two characters mashed together. Yeah. Anytime people talk about plagiarism from comics, I always just kind of want to like cock my head at them because I feel like it's happened like 30 times and no one's cared. (laughs) So I'm like, why would now be the time where they suddenly care?
2: No, it's, it's fantastic.
0: I mean,
1: and in fact, it's one of the ways that you can market comics to teachers. Like, oh, you're covering this piece of literature. Here are some comics that explore pretty much the same plot, but with superheroes. And there you
2: yes, go. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what was it? Ramayana 3001 AD by, um, uh, what's his name? That, that guru guy, uh, like, um, Deepak Chopra. Oh, yes. Yeah. Made a comic about the Ramayana. It's a science fiction comic set in 3001.
0: And that, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah like
2: like and and did you like here you know like ah you don't need to read the real thing just here I have this sci-fi comic
0: it doesn't help
2: it doesn't <laughs> help all right were well, we, are
0: we ready to get into our several twitter questions yes yeah. all right our first one is from uh my writing partner um robert secundus who asks what thoughts do you folks have on the jsa we talked about that a little and i think we all kind of like them Good characters, good to have around in the modern DC universe, or best consigned to the past.
2: Necessary to have around all the time, unless you are actually going to be brave enough to stick Superman and Batman in the JSA and try and head up new uh, heads of like Dick and, you know, maybe Khan. Mm -hmm. Uh, as Superman and Batman running the JLA. That's, I I agree Mm -hmm. with you on that one. Like Uh, the only time I don't want to see Jay Garrick is when uh, both like Wally and Barry are retired.
0: Yes. Yeah. Otherwise I, I agree with your earlier point with like it. Scooping elderly people off the table is already something that's done in our society enough Mm -hmm. Uh, that maybe we don't need to do it in comic books. (laughs) Maybe nobody
1: has to get old in comics.
0: Well, even if you do, you don't have to be like bad at what you do just because (laughs) you're old.
2: And let people get old in comics, and let their stories change. Because, like, so, so my my whole thing about this, right, is that you look at the Justice Society of America. Maybe they're not like the heaviest hitters around, even though there's like. That one Green Lantern, no, but there's that one Green Lantern, though, actually, uh, on their team at any given time. Mm-hmm. what What is something that never really gets enough shine, gets enough time, is that all of these guys have been heroing for uh, such a long time that they are establishment people and that they, they can then use their position in the establishment to raise up a younger, better generation. And I think that just society of America always shines the best when you've got a couple teen characters in there, like um, the chick who controlled wind or green dress escaping my mind right now. Um, Star girl, mm-hmm. those kinds of characters and Billy, of course, Billy is also very important to the mix with the elder characters yeah. because uh, you know, how many kids you know out there being raised by their grandparents? It's not a small number, y'all. Right. Like, like, we, we can be talking about the reality of like, there are older people, people who have seen and gone through a lot in young people's lives right now, you know, helping to shape them and guide them and become the heroes. That they're going to be in the world. Uh, it is absolutely the province of older heroes to train up the young. And I don't see why you wouldn't want that kind of earthly grounding in your storytelling. Maybe I'm just off base.
0: No, I, mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. And I, I do think that's something that doesn't get looked at enough. I, it's, I think it's because comics like to draw you know, the people who are like in their twenties and thirties and then kind of just stop there.
1: Draw people at the age everybody remembers themselves as.
0: Right. It's, like- <laughs> I, I do. I, I think that we, that a, a diverse diversity in age kind of across the board needs to happen. We tend to make comic book heroes who are like 15 to like 35. And I feel like you could have little kid superheroes and you could have uh like, older superheroes and i feel like there's there's enough there for everybody
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and i what i would also really love to see is more stories where it's like this is a hero this hero is retired they're not coming out of retirement to do something here's how they made their world better in their community with or without their powers uh even though they're not actively heroing astro city nails that Astro City manages to hit that particular one home super well. And I think that there will always be a potential for just a society of America to step up and be extremely relevant by having older characters in it. Yeah. Uh.
1: So... Our next question, uh, at Josh Garvey, has a few for us, but I think we may save some of them for when we wrap up the whole crossover, because they seem crossover as a whole related.
0: Yes. I think we can do the first and last one. The
1: first and the last one. Yes. So, how in love with the super mullet are you? Yes. Thank you. More please. Bring it back.
0: <laughs> Bring
2: it's, it back?
1: It's great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not all mullets are equal. <laughs> oh, it's curly
0: too. He had a really curly mullet.
2: Mhm. Oh, you, I mean like this is near the era of uh Mullet Captain Adam too. Oh boy. True. And you, you know that that is like the that was deep deep down the mullet technology tree. <laughs> <laughs> There was there was time, there was research, and there was development that went into that mullet.
1: <laughs> okay, Chris,
0: your mullet thoughts. Uh, I'm not. I don't like love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love knowing that I'm reading a '90s comic and going, "There we are. Superman's got that righteous mullet." Right. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a the post-death mullet. No, I
1: mean I, I love it because it's very emblematic of the time, and it just it's that extra bit of flavor. It makes it not makes it a little less eternal, but it gives us a setting, I guess. Outside, I
2: mean, even Wave Rider is wa- rocking a mullet in this one. Yeah, like. that is true.
0: <sighs> no, it, it it is comfortable to go. Oh, okay, I know when this is. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. Yep.
0: All right. And the last question that um, uh, Josh has is: How big of a jobber is Bad Hank Hall? Oh my god!
2: Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> this was the question that I was hoping would come around. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys. <laughs> so, um, did did you guys ever watch the? Probably not. Never mind. Uh, so, there was a Legion of Superhero cartoon.
0: I watched the um, episode with Arm Fall Off
2: Boy. Oh, yes, good, good, good taste. You have yep. good taste. You have very good taste. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so. Basically in it there's a monarch, XP. It's not the same dude. Uh-huh. Uh, but it it works so well because unlike uh Hank, uh Hall and Monarch and Extant, he's not completely ineffectual. So if you look at everything that Extant does, he's not even the fine A, he's not even the final bad guy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's basically a mini boss.
0: Yes. We, we haven't <laughs> encountered the final bad guy, but it's clear that, that Hank is, is, is kind of easily dupable. Like, yeah. He's like, dang, you guys closed my rift. I can't do anything about that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a simple guy. Like, fundamentally, he's like really straightforward. And, um, the monarch, as was, shown in like armageddon 2001 was a lot more savvy a lot more canny and a like i would say about equally deadly i the the one thing that i think prevents this guy from being just like the ultimate jobber of like being literally all sound and fury and accomplishing nothing is he does actually put in work mm-hmm. in this crossover like extant strips the JSA of their powers or at least a bunch of them you know a whole bunch of people are unraveled from reality uh you know an entire reality ceases to exist i mean if you if you look at the count as a whole guy actually like was threatening right yeah um oh he's so it's so bad yeah <laughs> When I when I was
0: when I saw him uh, I read this with with no for the first time with no no research so I had to kind of look up later that he was Hank Hall and it was just like I'm extant and I'm like you sure are bud <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep yep
0: you got a face mask you got a cape yeah there
2: you go and he's he's so now you know yeah <laughs> he's he's in the moment he's just so now uh yeah I wish that Uh, hank could have actually like gotten over yep it's like with a with a lot of events i would say where like uh, there is something there there there's something where it's like right on the tip of my tongue of like all you would have to do is make this extremely minor tweak and all of a sudden you would like care a whole lot about monarch and extant and uh hawk you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think that the the real uh, component that is missing from Extant being scary is Monarch, and that if he had say like started out by absorbing his Monarch self for more power or whatever, and you had like while you had no context for that then, it would make the reveal when oh it's Wave Rider Wave Rider just absorbed the monarch for power oh wait no it's not wave rider it's actually just more hank hall being a dick butt like you know a double a double shamalan in there like might have kicked might have kicked it up a notch made it a little bit more spicy but unfortunately it never actually hits like you want it to
0: yeah that's fair
2: um so our next question comes
0: from brawl 2099 who asks What is more messy and confusing in this story, Hawkman or the Legion? I think
2: the Legion is maybe slightly messier. (laughs) I'm going to say that the Legion is definitely messier and it's mostly messier because it doesn't take place in the pages of this event book, yet it has event book like consequences. Mm-hmm. and ramifications without the legion heroes actually appearing in this
0: yeah and that i, I think that does make it more messy at least the, the hawk thing is handled in a couple of pages and i even though it was weird i was like sure they're all one hawk now
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yep yep it's Hawk god now so... yep it is definitely Hawk god okay all right it's Hawk god
1: all right. Our last question comes from at Asimov fangirl. Hi, everyone. Unless they are retconned, DC has a lot of great legacy heroes. Do you have a favorite
2: one? Everett, do you want to start? Oh, uh, you can't do me like that. Okay. You, <laughs> you, you got, jump on, jump on that grenade and I'll get back to you.
0: I think my favorite legacy hero is, ooh, that's a toughie. Technically like tons of them are.
1: I mean, is Batgirl considered a le- I mean Oh yeah, I, yeah.
2: yeah. Batgirl, Batgirl is so absolutely absolutely, so absolutely my legacy favorite. hero.
1: I love the Batgirl of Burnside run. That was that was my jam. That was like one of the first comics. Yeah,
2: that's that I, one, one, of one of the first, first
1: comics that, that you I, read
0: like issue by issue.
1: Yeah, I think I read that even before Spider-Woman.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So Batgirl is your favorite?
2: Hmm. Uh, i love
0: wally <laughs> this is, west so this is much
2: dc only right this is, is dc only this yeah. is dc only i've decayed okay, this it better be
0: oh i know there's so there's a lot of marvel ones that i really like so that uh, that would have been a toughie. but no. i think i'm gonna go with wally west i think that uh so newer barry stories he's not particularly like like too bad or anything but like Mm -hmm. old old barry allen stories he is like a standard length of superhero (laughs) he is like Mm -hmm. vanilla ice cream with marshmallow sauce he is like the most bland like like he is a superhero and he does superhero stuff and wally coming in was kind of fun and a little bit, si- a little bit silly at times, and unsure of himself in a way that I feel like a lot of us can feel like when we've started a job. Mm-hmm. And I f- think that he made the Flash better and more relevant, uh, to the point where they even used him in the cartoon for Justice League because they were like, "What? What are we going to use Barry?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Barry definitely has some of that platonic ideal of a speedster thing going on. Yes. Where like he, yeah, he becomes less interesting because he is so perfect,
0: right? And I, I think it used to be worse. I would say they've 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 done a little bit more to give him an, a slightly interesting personality in more recent comics, especially after Rebirth. Rebirth has made some really good Flash stories, but if we're talking about like '60s to
2: '80s Barry, I, it's mm-hmm. shocking that that comic lasted that long. All right, so I I have given this some thought now. Sure. And I believe my answer has to be Brainiac 5.
0: <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to say Brainiac 5, who is a legacy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Brainiac 5 is a, is a, the heir of an amazing legacy, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's not like Brainiac 2 or Brainiac 3 are slouches either. True. Right? They're just, I don't know, ash and emo. Mm hmm. Like, uh, but the, the, um, the thing is, is that like Brainiac five is like my considered answer. There's a secret answer in my heart and that's Jade. Oh, sure. And, uh, that is one of those ones where I could not tell you why I don't have a good reason for that where like, I, I could, I could write you a solid, like 12,000 words on why Brainiac 5 is like the most important legacy hero. I could not tell you why Jade is just so like amazing even like cuz you know she doesn't have a great publication history. Like let's be honest. Right. <laughs> like she's her character has been used to do a lot of questionable stuff over time. Like I I don't know why I would be so fond of this character when they've They've had a really bad run of it.
0: Well, I like your answers. I love Brainiac Five too, so I I completely agree with you there.
2: Oh yeah, runner runner up though, Natasha Iron Steel actually actually super important Mm -hmm. legacy hero who uh, you know every time every time she's on a book, that's a guarantee that I'm going to pick it up. Sounds
0: good. All right, well, readers, uh, we are coming to the close of this episode. Uh, Everett thank you for coming on again and uh r- helping us
2: out a lot with with zero hour absolutely my pleasure because uh man this what what an event for good for ill and all of the stuff in between <laughs>
1: uh, it's like wow a thing like that
2: <laughs> that is that is really an event that was su- that, that is such an event right there dead one whole unit of event <laughs> that's true uh
0: everett would you like to tell anybody uh where you can be found on the internet or any projects that you're working
2: on that you wanted uh you want to share uh so no not this time so i am uh available obviously but uh no i'm not doing any uh projects facing forward to the comic book community at the moment i am working on some personal projects uh, for, you know, games. And I just did some work for um, did some education work and doing things like that. But I don't know. I don't have anything going on right now. Okay. Sounds great.
1: Readers, as always, you can find us at Chris's Pod on Facebook and Twitter.
0: Give us give us a five-star review on Facebook or iTunes. We really appreciate those. We'll read them out on the show.
1: Mm-hmm. You can always email us at Chris is on InfiniteEarths at gmail.com.
0: Yep. You can check out our Kofi and Patreon pages in the show notes. We appreciate all of your donations. Uh, we've got some really cool Patreon rewards. A uh, personal thing that I've been doing, uh, if you want to check out, if you've been reading House of X and Powers of Ten, please check out the annotations I've been working on with my co-writer uh, Rob and editor Zach, uh, the Hoxpox Pox Talks uh, hosted on the Xavier Files website
1: yeah really definitely do. <laughs> we're
2: gonna have to, we're gonna have to talk about that after this. Oh uh, yeah, we will <laughs> definitely do that off the air.
1: All right, and until next time,
0: slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.